So Money, episode 365, Ask Farnoosh. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront, the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Visit Wealthfront.com forward slash So Money. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It's Friday or Fry-yay. Have you heard that expression? I feel like I'm feel like i uh, I'm really young again. You know, I just celebrated my 36th birthday. Don't tell anyone. But I do feel in many ways that I've reclaimed a bit of my youth. I've been on Snapchat. Have you heard of this? I'm a little late to Snapchat, but also early. I feel as though that Snapchat has been something that has been dominated by the youth, the you know the thirteen to eighteen year old uh, sub subgroup, but recently has been embraced by brands, companies, celebrities, athletes, authors, entrepreneurs, and even. You know, I dare say people in their 30s, 40s, not 50s yet, but I think that Snapchat is growing in its in, in its audience and its demographic and its user base. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. You get to go on there and kind of capture your your moments throughout your day in a way that you can't really do on Instagram and Facebook and and Twitter. Snapchat has its own dynamic and I'm really having fun with it. So join me if you haven't. My username there is Farnoosh Tarabi, one word. And I'm snapping, I'm, what's the verb here? I'm Snapchatting about you know, my behind the scenes of Follow the Leader on CNBC, which premieres on March 23rd at 10 p.m. Eastern Pacific. <sighs> Just had to get that in. Also giving you a behind the scenes look at how I podcast, how I spend time with my family and just kicking it around Brooklyn and New York and wherever else my life is taking me right now. So let's hang out on Snapchat. It's uh, it's loads of fun. And this is Friday. So I'm really happy to say that we are finished with another week of fantastic podcasts. This was an epic week for the podcast because Yahoo featured so money on its homepage. What? Yeah, I didn't really see, you know, the millions of people coming to my doorstep as a result when Typically, something does appear on the front page of Yahoo. It does have that ripple effect, that domino effect, but it's a nice little bump in in listenership. But basically what happened was Business Insider loves the show. They typically will go through my archives, go through my transcripts and pull some interesting nuggets from guests and turn them into fun stories. And one that they did this week without telling me, thanks Business Insider, it was really awesome. They looked at my interview with Jim Wang, founder of Bargaineering. And he talked a lot about how he's super lazy, but even someone who's lazy can master their finances. So they turned that into a headline about how you can manage your money even when you're lazy. Here's how. That story, which mentioned the podcast and linked back to the podcast, got picked up by Yahoo and it went on the front cover. And it did, I'm happy to say, help Jim's business. Jim is the founder, new founder of WalletHacks.com. So he originally founded Bargaineering, which he sold for about $3 million. And then later, 
last year, he launched WalletHacks.com. And do check it out. WalletHacks is really cool. And Jim is a great, great guy. And listen to that episode if you haven't yet. Jim Wang. So really happy and uh, thankful for this week. What are you thankful for? Thankful for, you know, maybe if you live on the East Coast that it was in the 50s this week. (laughs) That was nice. Thankful for the fact that maybe you've managed to pay off some debt. Maybe you've started saving more. Maybe you've started a second income. That would be exciting. Share with me these stories. I would love to hear how you're improving your finances. And of course, what are your questions? And speaking of questions, let's turn over now to your top questions from this week. I've got a question here from Caitlin. And she says, hey, Farnoosh, I got scammed. Yikes. Please help. Last year, I applied for this student loan forgiveness plan that was advertised all over Facebook. The site was called studentaid.org. I contacted them and was told that I'm eligible for the plan because I work in a nonprofit hospital. I was told that everything will be taken care of and that I will not have to pay a penny for the next 25 years with an upfront fee of $800. It sounded too good to be true. Yeah. So I had asked Again, every person that I talked to via the site, if it was a scam and without pause or hesitation, they had me convinced that this was legit. But I just got a bill from federal loan, ask from, I don't really know what fed loan is, but fed loan asking for repayment. So I guess that's her original loan, loan provider. I called them, but none of the numbers work. What should I do to protect myself from identity theft? Is there any way I can get my money back? All right, Caitlin, I did a little extra digging around for you. I actually contacted the folks at studentaid.org on your behalf. Now, studentaid.org, when you go there, it is the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators, NASFAA. So I basically just sent her your question and I was like, can you help me and this woman who claims to have gotten defrauded by this website that looks to be your website. And she said to me verbatim, I'm reading this off to you from her email back to me. She said, this student must be mistaken about the company or organization. Our organization does not offer a relief plan of any sort, nor do we advertise on Facebook. This is a non-for-profit professional association made up of financial aid administrators working at 3,000 colleges and universities across the country. Our revenue comes from membership, paying dues, and conferences and trainings for college staff. We do not collect revenue from students. Our website is an information site only and does not allow advertising on our student and parent pages that would direct students to private companies, let alone companies involved in scams. We do not process anything for students and always inform students and parents to work with financial aid administrators at their local college or university or directly with their loan servicers. So now this is me talking, Caitlin. I think that maybe you either had the website wrong that you think that you used to help you with your uh, relief plan, or there is a company that's posing as this company. And that's also terrible. So whatever that, whatever happened, I think you got to look at what can you do now, right? So I would, if I were you, I would follow up with the Better Business Bureau, bbb.org. Let them know what happened. You should also check your credit report immediately because if you're worried about fraud, because maybe you gave this organization your credit card or bank information, you want to look into placing a credit freeze on your account. 
Now, a, a credit freeze is also known as a security freeze and basically lets you restrict access to your credit report, which then makes it harder for identity thieves to open up new accounts in your name. And that's because a lot of creditors, given this credit freeze, will demand to see your credit report before giving anyone new credit, whether it's you or someone posing as you. And if they can't see your file, they won't extend the credit usually. And I hate to say this, but if you're ever in the future hearing of or being offered a deal that seems too good to be true, do check with the Better Business Bureau first to make sure they haven't gotten any complaints or maybe they can let you know if this is a scam or not. Do a plain web search too for terms like scam, fraud, and the company's name or the organization's name. A lot of times people will write about their bad experiences on blogs and websites. And so you can do some quick work that way, do your due diligence. So I'm sorry if I don't have any better news for you. And I think the best thing to do is just try to get ahead of any potential problems this could lead to, you may not get your $800 back. That might be a hard lesson learned, but you may be able to prevent any future financial losses by doing a credit freeze, by contacting your original lender, you know, and saying, look, I I thought that I was in this forgiveness program. Apparently I'm not. How do I get back on schedule with my loan without incurring fees, without incurring penalties? Because we want to make sure that you stay in good standing with this student loan. And thanks for writing in. Let me know what happens. Ursula writes in and says, hey, Farnoosh, love the show. My longtime boyfriend and I are engaged. Well, congratulations, Ursula. That's awesome. She says we're planning on marrying in late 2016. So this year. We're currently en route to fully funding our Roth IRAs for 2016. What are the rules for couples who will get married this year? Can I still fully fund my Roth IRA now? Or will I need to figure out first if our combined income as a couple would be too much? Since we'll be marrying late in the year, will I still be able to file as single? Or will we be having to file jointly? What else should we be thinking about in our situation? All right, so Ursula, first again, congratulations. Very exciting and hope that you guys have the wedding of your dreams. Just to clarify, if you're getting married this year, 2016, this does not impact your taxes that you'll be filing this year. April 15th, 2016 is the tax deadline for the filing year of 2015, which is the previous year when you were both technically single. So you can still fully fund your Roth IRA now and by April 15th, and it will count towards 2015 contributions. For next year, when you file your taxes for 2016, given that you got married in 2016, but I believe you have to follow the IRS rules for contribution limits for married couples. If you're married filing jointly, you can contribute up to the limit so long as your joint income is less than 184,000. If you're married filing separately, you, can, you can't contribute to an IRA unless you earn less than $10,000 combined. And it's kind of annoying perhaps, but even if you're married on the last day of 2016, on the last day of the year, the IRS does consider you to have been married for the entire year for tax purposes. So this year, as you plan your IRA contributions, make sure that you are following the IRS guidelines. And irs.gov is actually a pretty okay website. You know, I I have to say, despite the fact that it's 
a government website. I think it's easy to use, easy to navigate, easy to search. Check it out. I mean, they've got all the answers there. Time now to shed some light and say thank you to one of our sponsors on the show today, Wix.com. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 75 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer made customizable templates to choose from the drag and drop editor and even video backgrounds. There's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. The site empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. Zoe says, love your show. I make 82000 but I have about 30000 in student loan debt and a car payment. I want to pay off both items quickly. So I'm considering a hustle, a side hustle with Uber. However, I looked up tax brackets and was wondering if I make over $90,000 between my Uber and my full-time job, will I be put in a higher tax bracket? Do you think it's worth a side hustle knowing I'll be taxed at a higher percentage or should I focus on budgeting more to put extra money toward debt? Well, Zoe, no matter what, you should always be budgeting as best you can to make sure that there are no leaks, that you're spending appropriately, and that you're making the right sort of trade-offs to address your your obligations. And in this case, debt is an obligation. So if you've got some expenses that are more wants and not needs, then obviously, you know, think about, uh, you know, retooling that part of your budget so that you leave more money for the necessities. And then you can go back to partying. But back to this Uber idea. It's true, when you make more, you become subject to a higher tax rate. It's very possible. But you are going to have to assume a lot of expenses to keep this side job running. You're going to have expenses like gas, maintenance, depreciation on the car, and those are all deductible expenses. So your tax bill may not be that much higher at the end of the day because your your taxable income will be reduced by these expenses. But really what you want to consider here, I think that you're forgetting maybe or you're not um, prioritizing is, is this really worth my time? Uber is not passive income. I ride Uber a lot in New York. These men and women um, really work hard at it. And it's it's very active. You can't do it from home. And yes, the expenses can reduce your taxable income, but it's still a lot of expenses, right? That could ultimately eat into your profit. So you have to kind of see where you fall on that spectrum, you know, between this being an expense and this being something that's like a taxable deduction. So if you're really hoping to make good money fast, I would consider some other options as well because I am the queen of the side hustle. I've been side hustling since I got out of college really. And I think, you know, you want to look into some of the other skills that you can monetize, some other ways that you can monetize your your skills and your time really to make the money that you need. You know, whether it's copywriting, editing, graphics work, web design, tutoring, you can do all these things virtually, which has very little overhead. There are many options to look to choose from. So good luck. I, I love that you're looking into a side gig. I think that's excellent. It's obvious that you're listening to this show. You're catching on, Zoe. Let me know how things go. 
Here we have a question from Katie. She says, hey, Farnoosh, love the podcast. It has provided inspiration for both my work life and my finances. I want to add an additional revenue stream. Here we go. Another income stream addition. But I've never been in business for myself before, and I'm considering something like Stella and Dot sales to supplement my income. Stella and Dot. I want to know your opinion on such ventures. Are they legit or just pyramid scams? Thank you. Well, I think that, Katie, first of all, great that you want to do this, that you want to start a second income. You're looking into your options. You know what your limitations are. You want to maybe tap into an existing business and use their resources to make money. And you know, direct sales, which is what Stella and Dot essentially is, and like Tupperware, Mary Kay, health supplements are all sorts of direct sales companies. I love Stella and Dot's jewelry. I wear their jewelry all the time. I can't really speak to the business, although I am hoping to get their founder, Jessica Heron, on the show this year. So stay tuned for that. But I I do hear from people who work for Stella and Dot that they love it. It is not something that, again, is passive. You have to be very active with this. You also, very important, in anything that you do in direct sales, you have to be good at selling or at least enjoy the process of selling. This is an industry where people who are hardworking, aggressive, do best, you know? And so you have to really pick an avenue for yourself that makes sense, where you really love the product, you really think that you have an existing base of people and friends and neighbors to market to, and that you wouldn't be shy to market to them. So it's really about your comfort level. And are they all legit? No, of course not. A lot of them are scams, but um, I don't really know which ones, but you just have to do your due diligence. You know, like we talked earlier, make sure that you're doing your research at the Biz- Better Business Bureau's website. Make sure you're doing online searches. Make sure that you're doing a sniff test. If this sounds too good to be true, smells too good to be true, walk away. You know, don't take a risk and talk to people who are already doing the program. Do you like it? What's the time commitment? What is the initial investment that I have to make? Because a lot of times these companies do require you to buy their products and then sell them. So you have to be prepared for that. But all said, I think that direct sales works beautifully for many people. It's convenient. You can work it into your schedule. You can find a product that you're really passionate about. And What's also great is that there's an existing infrastructure, right? There's already materials and resources and websites and um, supply chains. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. It's already invented for you and you just have to ride it. And hopefully you'll be good at it. Nicola says, I have the option to get 500,000 euros from our family business. Should I buy a house from that? Or is there a better option uh, to do with that money? I'm a shareholder, Also, I'm single, but probably staying in that place as I begin to work in our firm. So Nicola, I think that what you want to do with this money is totally your call. I personally do like the idea of real estate because that's my preference. I'm someone who is drawn to real estate. I like to research real estate. I don't make rash decisions when it comes to real estate, but I have been in this market for a while, for over a decade. I've been buying and selling. So that's where my comfort lies. You have to decide where your comfort lies and also what are your goals? Why do you want to buy this house or go into real estate just because you hear it's a good investment? What's at stake for you? With 500,000 euros, I first think about what are some other financial holes in your life that you should fill? 
before investing in anything? Do you have enough for retirement? Do you have enough for a rainy day cushion? Do you have enough insurance? You don't have children, maybe you don't have dependents, but maybe you should think about disability insurance. If you lost your job, if you're not able to work at the family business anymore, um, what would you do and how would you support yourself? Disability insurance could kick in and really be helpful there. Um, Also think about health insurance. Do you have enough health insurance? So there are a lot of like boring, (laughs) I will admit, some boring aspects to your financial house that you want to get in order, that you want to satisfy before diving into riskier ventures. And yeah, real estate can be risky. And so I'm unfortunately not going to be able to give you probably the specific answer that you want here, but I will be able to give you encouragement and some prudent advice, which is that I think you should really just look at first your financial basis, make sure they're covered, and then think about doing something a little riskier with that money. Robert says, I'd listened to your podcast when you interviewed the founder of Betterment. And recently on your podcast, um, you had Tim Ferriss and there was this mention of Wealthfront. I was wondering if you could talk about Betterment and Wealthfront. Similarities, differences? I'm currently using Betterment. Is it beneficial to using one or the other or both? Currently not investing in anything else. Just curious on your thoughts about what's the best robo-advisor or option for investments for a young male in his 30s that hasn't fully committed to saving. Thank you. So Robert, I'm a fan of automatic investment platforms or robo-advisors as they're being called in the media. I like both Betterment. I like Wealthfront. Wealthfront, obviously, I do like. It's a sponsor of this show. Betterment's John Stein, as you mentioned, has been a guest on on this podcast. And I think that companies like them and Betterment and Wealthfront, they are the future of long-term investing. I think that even when you look at the overall landscape of financial investing. Big firms like Charles Schwab, Vanguard, they too have launched automatic investment platforms. They see where people are going. And and people think that, you know, online investing like Wealthfront Betterment, it's really just like millennials or young people who don't have a lot of money. It's actually a lot of wealthy people too, people with millions of dollars who just are tired of paying the big fees, especially when they are of the school of thought that you should just put your money in a diversified account largely index funds, low fee, and let it ride. You're not buying low, selling high, trading every day or even every month. You're really just staying the course. And at that point, why pay the average 1% to a financial advisor to do that for you? Why not just give your money to Wealthfront or Betterment or any of those similar platforms? What I'm not going to do is give you this exhaustive breakdown of each of these platforms. I think that there are other ways you can get that information. Go online, do searches. You know, I think that there are a lot of great personal finance bloggers out there that have done their own reviews. Check those out. But I will say that you can go to wealthfront.com forward slash so money and you can go there. Your first $15,000 will be managed for free. So I know you're with Betterment, but maybe you also want to try Wealthfront and figure this out for yourself. And then you know what? Report back because I'm curious. I want to know too. I'm I'm looking at moving some of my money over to online investment platforms as well. So um, I will report back and you report back to me and we'll share. How's that sound? Thanks for your question, Robert, and good luck. And that's a wrap, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. I cannot wait for the weekend. It's been a very long, busy, tiresome, but exciting and awesome week. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope 
your Friday and your weekend is so money. Money.